IFAB, who actually may want to bring blue cards in for sin bins. Do me a favour, man. <laughs>
So there's absolutely zero chance that we're going to have Javi uh, Alonso on telly next April saying things like, we're still in this. They've still got to go to Heidenheim and get something. <laughs> that Somebody has used that exact gag <laughs> on the Thomas Muller interview. Thomas <laughs> Muller went on a rant after the game. <laughs> And some wag tweeted, yes, the whole, and literally that, we've got to go to Heidenheim and get something, which is quite funny. I don't think Xavi Alonso will be doing that. I think that there is an emerging consensus that Bayer Leverkusen is better than last season's Dortmund side, and I don't think that they will mess up. But we shall see, of course. It'll be a scandal. It'll be a tr- outrageous if Bayern were to win the title again from this point. They do not deserve it. Leverkusen's final two games are away to Bochum and home to Augsburg. And I can't imagine two more Leverkusen games to stuff up a title chase. Both of whom are troublesome opponents, eminently beatable. Leverkusen had to, uh, needed injury time to beat Augsburg just a couple of weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, to be fair. Mm. So this isn't done by any means, <laughs> but really... I don't know why I'm saying this. I don't want Bayer Leverkusen to win the title, but I mean... Anyone but. Almost anyone but Bayern, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Jan, it's all over in Spain as well, isn't it, now? But less romantically so, because Real stuffed uh, Girona, didn't they? And uh, that's it, Girona, tail between their legs. That's their title challenge done. Well, maybe not. I mean, it was emphatic, wasn't it? Real blew them away. I'm not a fan of seeing the uh, kind of big teams doing massively well as as is predicted. But I mean, you just had to take your hat off to how brilliant they were. And Job Bellingham's brother uh, had a fine, fine game. He was he was outstanding. And one of his goals, I forget whether it was the first or the second, was just incredibly athletic. And his balance and poise and ability to put that ball away was brilliant. Um, as was Vinicius Junior, who's uh, had a bit of a break during the week, so he that that rest uh, did him well. But um, Real Madrid have got to embark on their back on their Champions League campaign, which of course Girona don't. So I don't think it's all over there. Uh, Girona, they didn't get to where they are because they won the lottery. You know, that's a seriously good side. And, um, you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer, but it was incredibly impressive. It really was to see a team that good against another very, very, very good side. Um, But they just tore them to pieces. So they're still in this. They've still got to go to Mallorca and get something, haven't they? (laughs) They've still got to go to Vallecas and get something. Joe Bellingham's older brother, did I read a stat that he is now in the top 100 all-time Real Madrid goal scorers? Yes, already. Yes, he is. Already. <laughs> I can't believe it's taken him that long. He's, I mean, it's such a struggle for him out there, isn't he? He's stealing a living. <laughs> has he fully unpacked yet? <laughs> probably not. He's probably still got a few black plastic sacks lying around that he hasn't unpacked yet. Well, haven't we all? Well, they're the go-to ones just in case you need to get out of town. (laughs) I mean, we talked about this at Christmas, didn't we? In in terms of, you know, what's left for that guy to achieve. He's already arguably the biggest club in the world, unless he wants to join his better brother the biggest club in the world. Um, but, I mean, he's not. it's not like he's going to go anywhere. It's not like there's a, we can start talking about a big transfer fee from to go to another bigger club because he's already at Real Madrid. So he's already massively well thought of over there but he's just going to become a legend like Raul or mm. any of the greats that have played there and there have been many but he's got I mean is he, is he 20 now so he's got you know, he's probably got another 8 to 10 years there where he will just do fantastically well and, and hopefully win a World Cup along the way as well Well if he ends up like 
Modric, for example, it just goes on until he's in, into his late thirties. It's not yeah. these days. It's not. Out, I mean, injury obviously is a major, major deciding factor in in this. And obviously, yes, he could he could as a human being go off the rails. But there's been no indication so far that he isn't anything other than an absolute consummate professional who knows exactly what he wants and what he's doing. He hasn't. He didn't take the number five shirt for nothing. He's wearing Zidane's shirt, mm. and I think that's because he wants to make it his. He's still got it all to win. He's actually only won the German Cup. But you would think the championship is theirs and there's a very, very good chance of the European Cup and maybe the Euros. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? Yeah, the only thing that will stop them is if Harry Kane joins them, I think, now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Poor Harry. Oh, well, there's always next season, Harry. <laughs> he clearly didn't pay any money for the lucky Heather he was given at some point in the past, didn't he? He just took it and walked off and had a curse spat yep. at him. Definitely, uh, the Kane curse is in full force here. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it would be hilarious if he if he finishes at Bayern with nothing. It would be. I mean, I would kind of feel bad for him because he seems like a nice enough guy. He is the England captain after all. But <laughs> you know, it's it is quite. I mean, he went to Bayern Munich for one reason: to win titles. <laughs> <laughs> It is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> but we might have to reconcile ourselves to the fact that Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville were right. <laughs> well, we can allow them to be right on this one, I think. For this, yes. Also, as well, this weekend, we did have two continental finals as well. We had the Asian Cup uh, was won by the host, Qatar, with three penalties. Yeah, a hat-trick of penalties scored in the final. Yep. Checks cleared, I suppose, now. Uh, so, yeah, no romance there with the uh, surprise finalist Jordan, I suppose, um, being beaten quite soundly 3-1 in the end. But, uh, Terry, last night there was the African Cup of Nations and Ivory Coast won. What an incredible story that is. Amazing story to sack your coach in the group stage because you think you've been knocked out only to, by a freak series of results, qualify just by the skin of your teeth for the next round. And then with the new guy, the assistant, win the competition is an amazing story in of itself. But the winning goal, of course, scored by Sebastian Allaire. And I'm sure by now everyone has heard Sebastian Allaire, Borussia Dortmund striker, contracted testicular cancer at the beginning of his Dortmund career, survived and recovered from that, went on and has now scored this winning goal. It's If you remember, it was he missed a crucial penalty in the game against Mainz to win the title last season, of course. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he had an emotional last season, uh, ending in, a, in great heartache, sporting heartache. But to have this moment, I think, is wonderful. It's a wonderful personal moment for, for, for Alaire, and I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled and delighted for him. And I'm pleased, you know, Ivory Coast is a proper football nation, and it is good. It's good to see them win stuff. And that's a great story. I hope someone makes a film out of that. I think it will be a great movie to watch. Yeah, it just no one will believe it. <laughs> that's the thing. It just, it's no. just so far-fetched. No. You could, I mean, it would make a wonderful book. Yeah. I mean, it would be like a wonderful kind of chronicle-type book where you wrote it more like a novel so that it's style rather rather than like a like a history book. It would be a wonderful thing. I hope that there is there are people who are close enough to that to be able to write and tell that story. 
because we need to know it. And I don't mean a inside, you know, in a Ivory Coast AFCON win by the Athletic. I mean, you know, I, I mean an actual actual inside story. <laughs> <laughs> and a book, not a ten-part Amazon Prime series either. No, I'll, I'll take a ten-part Amazon Prime series. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, I, I, a book, yeah, would be would be amazing. That is a superb story. That was so. It's such a great way to finish a what what was a great sporting weekend. What good football weekend, anyway? Yes, there were other types of football going on as well, but we don't talk about them on this podcast. <laughs> oh, no, no, we don't. No, we don't. Because when you start watching those other types of football, you start getting weird, crazy ideas about how you could improve the game, and you look at them <laughs> and say, "Oh, look what they do! Isn't that weird? Would that work in our game? I wonder if it would." <laughs> Let's make the women play with those rules for a little while and see what happens. And Jan, they came up with one of these crazy ideas last week, didn't they? Well, we knew that they were going to come up with these crazy ideas because we spoke about it at Christmas in the advent calendar. We spoke about it for three minutes, to be honest. And this was the whole idea about sin bins. The real headline wasn't about sin bins, though, last week, was it? It was a, a two-word phrase, wasn't it? It was blue cards. Blue cards were everywhere last week, weren't they, Jan? They were. So this came out, it was a couple of days before IFAB was supposed to meet up. And it was, I think, clearly leaked to see what the general public and, and those inside of actual football thought of it. And the idea was to address uh, issues with player conduct and dissent and professional or tactical fouls that a blue card would be introduced, uh, which would be brandished when the referee deemed the player had been cheeky enough or tactical enough in his fouling to warrant uh, 10 minutes in the sin bin. So that was the news that came out, and it was met with some interesting, and, and I have to say, one-sided responses <laughs> across, <laughs> across all of football, because I think it's fair to say that it was certainly amongst the professionals, ex-professionals, pundits, journalists, uh, people you pass on the street, the guy taking the change on the bus, everyone universally hates the idea. Yeah, it does seem to be the way, though, Terry, doesn't it? Everyone seems to be, like, sharpening their pitchforks and working out <laughs> where their flaming torches have been stored away. Everyone is willing to take up arms against blue cards. Have you been surprised by the level of reaction to this? Yes, I suppose I have been surprised. <laughs> I mean, I surely shouldn't be at all surprised at anything that happens in football. But I don't think it's a surprise that people don't think it's necessarily a good idea. But the... The kind of reaction has been, you know, you know, it has been quite angry from what I can tell. I saw um, Jurgen Klopp having, he, he mentioned it twice in two separate press conferences. That's how upset he was about it. I mean, I know he's on notice, so he could probably be a little bit yeah. looser with his opinions. But I mean, you know, as we all are when we're on notice, we all you know, go around there and, you know. You know, take our chances with Susie from accounts and stuff like that. But, you know, it's uh, it, it, <laughs> in the just an admission coming out to you, <laughs> Terry. I'm talking about other people, not me. Obviously. Um, he was quite upset about it. I don't, I don't think I necessarily understand what the depths of conviction is about this, why people are quite so angry about this in particular. I'm sure we did talk about this at a little bit more depth in an earlier podcast about sim binning. And we talked about statistics and said that yeah. at grassroots level, that there had been a significant drop in dissent since the introduction of sim binning in this country. Uh, so I think the emerging consensus that we had was that actually sim binning wasn't necessarily a bad idea at all, actually. And yeah. it would be interesting to see how it worked in the professional game. 
So I'm, a, I mean, I, I, can't, I don't know. Is it because of the card? Is that what it is? Is it just the idea of introducing a new card? Or is it the idea of the sim binning? I mean, like, I don't, I don't understand why. I don't understand why, you know, another layer of officialdom is being reacted to so angrily when a lot of these people were falling over themselves before VAR was introduced about how a good idea that was and how it helped and supported referees. I, I'm at a loss. Well, actually, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think maybe it's because everyone was so... And I'm talking about when I say everyone, I mean everyone within in the media, everyone, everyone who had else. a voice, how welcoming they were of VAR. And now they've seen the mess that it is. And now any idea of change to the game now is seen as something that could potentially damage the game, could potentially make the game less entertaining. And I think the level of the reaction that we've seen from media over the last few days betrays something that's going on in the background where people are actually pissed off with the fact that football is less entertaining now because of VAR. They've got this horrible product that they foisted onto the game and it's actually less entertaining now because of it. They think now every time we seem to make a change to fix it, it doesn't do it. It just makes things worse or it just has no improvement whatsoever. And I think they look at something like this and they think this is just yet another thing that is not going to improve the game. There have been figures that have come out and said something like a 38% drop in yellow cards down at the level where it's been used. And this is very, very, very deep, deep down non-league. This is step six and below, I think, it's been used down there. Where it, it seems to be working okay, which considering that the fact that you've only got a referee and two linesmen to sort out the timekeeping and things like that. I think that seems to be working okay. But I think at the top levels where you think, well, everyone's under so much scrutiny anyway, do we really need this extra layer of getting down onto players for dissent? And I think a lot of the time as well, players generally like the idea of tactical fouls. They think it is part of the game. It's part of defending basically a yellow card you can burn it's a get out of jail free card if you like so i wonder if there is just an acceptance now of tactical fouls to say well yeah that's fine with me personally i think i don't know i've got i've got nothing but vibes on this but i personally think it's just people in the media thinking well look we can't afford you to mess this game up anymore because we're losing people at the moment people are giving up on the game yeah, I completely agree. I think that VAR has burned a few people's fingers. I suppose there's probably a bit of reflection going on, isn't it, where people across the sport and attached to the sport look at how VAR has gone over the, the intervening years and gone, well, what was the problem we were trying to solve at the time? Mm. And was it so bad that we had to do this? When I was making some notes earlier, one of the first things I wrote down was, what problem were we trying to solve? Is it that bad? And as I was bumbling around on um, on Google, I saw a former work colleague of mine, Keith Hackett, popped up um, and said that the game is being blighted and tarnished by player behaviour. Now, I don't agree with that. I think player behaviour is bad and it needs to be addressed. But this feels like a nuclear warhead to crack a walnut. It's, it seems like it's a bit over the top. And I think that's maybe what people are seeing as well. And again, with tactical fouls, I don't think they are that big a deal that warrants a complete change in how the game's officiated. I just don't think it's that big a deal. Like referees getting it right or wrong all of the time. I mean, it wasn't all of the time. It was occasionally someone would get a call wrong. But 
you know, the best teams won and the worst teams got relegated. So I think that maybe we've got through to them, boys. I think we got through to them. Another point as well, and just a minor one, I think that if they hadn't brought in the idea of a blue card and just said the referee can issue a yellow card and send a player to the sin bin, I think that this might have not been as vitriolic a response, I think, because it just seems like a, a layer of bureaucracy that's unnecessary, which I think it probably is. I think you could just go, it's a yellow with a, you're taking a 10 minute break. And I think that might have eased the pain. Sorry, <laughs> uh, this is this is the problem, isn't it? It's bureaucracy gone mad. It's like those unelected bods in IFAB <laughs> at it again, aren't they? Imposing yeah. their laws on us. God. Uh, absolutely. It's Brexit 2. Blue cards is the next Brexit. Blue cards, obviously, you know, an example that, you know, whoever it is that makes cards, right? Maybe they've slipped them a, a, a brown paper parcel and said, here we go. Yeah, we're gonna, you know, they've been got at by a big card. <laughs> I don't even know whether that's a thing. Also, the other thing is, I think, isn't the general conception is that if there's going to be another card, it was always going to be an orange card? <laughs> But yeah. everyone has a conversation about what other cards we should have, it was orange. So to go blue is like, I don't know, where does that come from? That's counter to the narrative. You know, maybe that's why people are upset. They're just thinking, well, blue? Who uses a blue card? <laughs> We've already got the print on this orange card nonsense. <laughs> we spent all this time working on the orange card and then IFAB, unelected IFAB, come in with their blue cards. Maybe the blue card should only be shown if players express conservative opinions. <laughs> Get off the pitch, you bloody Tory. Go on. In a, in a vulgar way, if they say something unkind about asylum yeah, seekers. Sort of, yeah, should sort of like <laughs> make some remark about small boats or something like that. And it's like, yeah, Get off. Get off the pitch, you bloody Tory. But um, seriously, there have been numerous attempts to stop dissent in this country and they have attempted with campaigns i think the most memorable one was the respect campaign uh, to try and cut back and stop dissent try to encourage captains only to talk to players try to discourage crowding the referees and i don't really think it's worked i think that there is an argument to say that weak mind people at the grassroots level watch elite level players behaving that way and think it's cool for them to behave that way as well. And it isn't. There is therefore a feeling that if you can regulate the behavior of professional players, then you can encourage uh, grassroots players and coaches to behave differently. I think that there is almost certainly an issue with recruitment and retaining referees, which has to be recognized. And so I can understand why you would want to do something like this to introduce some kind of punitive approach to, if that's the word I'm looking for, to dissent. And sim binning, I think, I mean, yeah, I don't like it when football borrows from rugby and I'm not going to go off on the usual rugby shtick. I don't genuinely don't think it's a good idea. I think rugby culturally, both rugby union and league culturally are quite different to football. And I don't particularly think it's a good idea to introduce that. I, I do get frustrated when people like when rugby people sort of like complain about the way footballers carry on and think, well, you know, that's fine. You watch rugby. This is football. Go away with your rugby and watch that. And, and it's all good. But perhaps in this instance, there is an opportunity. It's not just rugby. It's other sports that use the sim bin. It might be good. And as I said, at, at grassroots level, there's been some encouraging signs, although I acknowledge that grassroots and professional are two very, very different games. 
So this may not be the solution. On tactical fouls, tactical fouls are part of football. And if you don't like it, I'm afraid that's just tough. I think referees are entitled to say, look, we are fed up of being abused by people and we want it to stop. But I think it's another thing to referees to say, we think tactical fouls aren't good for the game and we want it to stop. They say, well, actually, that's not really referees' decisions to make. If that's anyone's decision to make, that's players' decisions and coaches' decisions. They are the ones who actually do the work. They're the ones who do the sport. And they are, for me, they're the only people who really matter in that kind of argument. If players think tactical outfouling is a bad idea, then players should like go to referees and say, we think you should do that. But that just doesn't happen in football. From what I can see in football, what happens is, is that referees, IFAB, make a decision and then their idea of consultation is just to brief them, probably send around a PowerPoint or something like that as to what it is they're going to do. I don't know how much genuine consultation goes on in situations like this. I suspect, certainly in the case of blue cards, none whatsoever. And I think that is something that we need to be careful of. In principle, I don't think this is as terrible an idea as the vitriol behind it. But needless to say, I suspect it's like a lot of things. It doesn't appear to have been executed and launched very well. I think a lot of people are just fed up with new rules because they've seen the horror show that, that handball is. And uh, anyone who saw Luton versus Sheffield United this weekend will have seen two pretty awful penalty decisions. And across Europe, you're seeing decisions like that all the time. But I get the feeling that the people who are in charge of making the laws now and the referees, so you see it all on Howard Webb's TV show, the fact they've got Howard Webb now as the head of PGMOL over here now, someone with media presence. Referees and laws are now part of the show. It's all part of the entertainment. And that's because the VAR has brought it into the spotlight. And there is no way of getting it out of the spotlight now. So you're going to have to come up with more and more ideas of fixing the game because now the laws have become so malleable like anything else, like tactics or what have you. And some things you, you can change to somehow make the game better or faster or more interesting. And I don't know if that's a great place to be because what is an, an issue in this country, as far as refereeing and decision-making is concerned, is not going to be a, an issue on the other side of the world. What is this trying to fix? Is the whole of South America awash with tactical fouls that everyone's getting booked like 11, 12 bookings a match? Is that where this whole thing of, is coming from, of where we've got to change that? Or is there an even bigger problem of dissent in Eastern Europe or in East Asia or somewhere like that or somewhere other part of the world? I don't know. I don't, I don't really look that much into that sort of thing. But IFAB is meant to cover the whole world, isn't it? Let's look at it a different way. If, if a player behaves in a way that is so unbecoming, then they are usually sent off. But if you've got players that are crowding the referee and you can't send everybody off, or there is a foul that's so egregious that it's, you, you, after the fact, it's judged to be you know, something that clearly shouldn't be part of the game, then, then the authorities do take action retrospectively with players that have behaved badly and managers that behave badly and they do receive sanction for it and they do sometimes get banned for entire games if not more um after the fact so you know if you're if you're looking to discourage poor behavior then you could just beef that up without changing the rules of the game yeah. I, I personally for the record i'm quite open to sin bins but i'd, I'd like to see more evidence of it being 
trialed across the sports, not just bringing in the Women's FA Cup and see what happens. You know, they're, they're talking about putting it in the men and women's FA Cup potentially from next season. Um, but I, I don't know. But I'd like to see more more evidence on it because I accept, to Terry's point, that you know rugby culturally and in how it is played, it is a slower game. So to have a game slowed down because of a, a, a ten minute sin bin is is part and parcel of it. And as well as that, not having an extra man on the pitch is a massive detriment in rugby. Whereas in football, you could just sit behind the the ball for ten minutes and you know it it, it, it maybe it's not the advantage that you think it is. But if tactical fouls and player conduct and send are that bad, then we can beef it up afterwards. We can solve solve it retrospectively while we're waiting for the data to come in to find out whether this really is a good idea. Yeah, that's a absolutely perfectly measured response, I think, to this from Yanis. That should be the way to go in a situation like this. If you're going to introduce something as as radical as a brand new card, really, I think that there's got to be more information and data gathered as to whether or not it's effective. It just feels, yeah, like a, as as to your point, Graham, like a like a stunt almost, just like additional content. There's, there's not really been any thought process behind it beyond making a dramatic statement. And yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, you you can toughen up existing laws much more effectively if you want to do something about that. IFAB is dominated by the British FAs. There's five representatives, and IFAB there's FIFA, four, and then there's England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and the Welsh FA. So you have to wonder whether or not perhaps there is a significant North European skew to a lot of IFAB decisions and whether or not that in itself is particularly healthy for the game. So I think when it directly affects referees, I think that it's right that they raise themselves, but I think that there can be a, a big problem with them you know, imposing this kind of thing, particularly on an, on an unwilling football industry. We talked about it before. What what would a what would a sim bin look like? What would what would you know a, a ten minute or six minute down to ten or even nine men kind of situation look like? You know, in in football and and that's something that you know we would need to think about. We don't, we genuinely don't know how that would play. I mean, like would it would it look more like power play situation in ice hockey or would it be a more like whatever whatever it looks like in rugby? It's difficult to know, and you won't know the answers to these questions. And I think to just go so big so early, like the FA Cup, I mean, you know, I think maybe it would have been better to have chosen a competition that is played by professionals, but perhaps isn't as important, dare I say, isn't as part of the cultural fabric. I don't know, maybe the League Cup, perhaps, or Pizza Cup. Maybe that might have been a slightly better idea. But I think if you're introducing them into sort of like top line competitions in both the men and the women's game, I think that that's an issue. And that also goes for like the domestic league competitions, whatever level it is, because they're all as important to each club as they are to the Premier League clubs. League two is as important to League two clubs as the Premier League is to the Premier League clubs. Going monkeying around with people's lives and livelihoods and professions, I think is is all seems a bit weird. But at the same time, I acknowledge that that there, I think, is an issue that does need to be addressed. And again, I, I think a lot of the reaction is, is largely because people just don't want to get burnt after VAR. This is the problem. Yeah, let's all get on to VAR again. Let's all just, just say how terrible VAR is. Well, it is very much on brand for the sound of football to link <laughs> any kind of new innovation to VAR because it's our thing. Yeah, it is. And all the problems that are in football at the moment are all down to VAR, pretty much. I don't think that there's anything particularly 
inaccurate about that statement. I mean, it's, it's sensationalist in tone, but it, it's not necessarily untrue. <laughs> a bit like the blue card, a bit like this whole thing. It's yeah. a sensationalist approach, it's a populist approach to a problem mm. that needs to be resolved with a lot more thought, yeah. you know, and hard work and time. And I mean, nobody wants that. No one's interested in that. As well with blue cards, it gives you another excuse where everyone can come out the woodwork and with their axe to grind about what they hate about football. Graham Souness was interviewed at the weekend about blue cards and his priorities for blue cards would be diving and waving imaginary cards. That's what he reckons you should be uh, putting a sim bin for. I'll tell you what you want to sort out first. Yeah, waving those imaginary cards. That's what you want to sort out first. Again, it's it's a, it's another. I mean, we're looking at it quite tongue in cheek there with 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 those comments. But you know, what problem are you trying to solve? You know, yeah. Is diving really the biggest problem in mm. football? I mean, a few years ago, it was a hot topic, wasn't it? And uh, I don't really think it's as big a deal now. And waving imaginary. I mean, what the fuck is that? I mean, just. just <laughs> Just don't worry about it. It's the referees deal with that on the pitch when it happens, and it rarely happens. Rarely happens. So I just, again, it's just an overreaction to something that is really isn't an issue. I think if you wanted to do something about all of the things we've mentioned there, waving imaginary cards, which isn't a thing, diving, descents, and tactical fouls, you want to talk about how this is implemented, then maybe IFAB shouldn't just sit there and just hand it down. Maybe have a conversation with the representatives of the players, maybe have a conversation with the representatives of the referees and say, this is our sport. These are the things we want to clean up. How are we going to do that together? And maybe try and come up with a solution then from the people who are actually doing the job on the pitch week in, week out, and see if they can bring something more creative and more interesting to the game that isn't going to fundamentally change how it is played. Absolute plus one million to that sentiment. My worry is there isn't the consultation just doesn't happen in between referees and players and coaches. I mean, I may be wrong about that, but my feeling is, given the response that you sometimes get about things like this, is that there just isn't that consultation. We think this is a problem. How do we resolve this problem? And getting together, you know, once a year and having a conference. I know conferences are dull, but having and sitting down and say, well, what should we do about this? You know, there's enough bodies within football to facilitate this kind of consultation. They should totally be doing that and then coming up with like sensible solutions that might actually work. But I also love the idea that Yanis's thing that he hates about football is people who get angry about waving imaginary yellow cards. <laughs> that's that's what he would stamp out in football. He would stamp out people who argue about stamping out waving imaginary cards. That, that, now, that's an issue that does need to be addressed, Terry. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put I it down. I'll you. mark it down. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. I've, I've got it down here. So put that down. Put that down for April. One hour podcast special. <laughs> people people who complain about players waving imaginary cards. Not Do you know what? I, I can tell you now, we'd easily get an hour out of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think Terry and I could have the week off and we'd still get an hour out of that. <laughs> Yeah, it is about what's important to you, isn't it? And when you're saying, like, yeah, they've got to get consultation in, it's the broadcasters will say, well, shouldn't it be us you're consulting with? We we know all about entertainment. We know what you need to do to make your game extra special. TV companies may be a bit pissed off by the whole injury time thing that's happened. The fact that games are going on forever now. That wasn't the way they wanted people to stamp out time-wasting, was it? 
it wasn't to say, oh, yeah, well, actually, yeah, games will go on for a quarter of an hour longer now. Well, yeah, that eats into our schedules now. We don't really like that. Yeah, I wonder if if it's just that they don't feel like they're being included in these discussions. Oh, boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. <laughs> if it was at the TV companies, they just had plaster Taylor Swift all over them. That's all they would do. They would, we know how to do entertainment. I'll sod off. Well, I noticed that, that IFAB hasn't come up with any Taylor Swift ideas at all. No, no. And that just goes to show you lack of consultation. Because, I mean, any TV executive would say, well, if you get more Taylor Swift in, then we're golden. <laughs> and there is our Taylor Swift reference for the podcast. Well, yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, and uh, Taylor Swift doesn't actually make it into the box set this weekend, remarkably enough. <laughs> That's a bit of a faux pas of Again. mine. Again? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, there she is. <laughs> uh, but what will we be watching this weekend, I wonder? Well, we'll be watching Chelsea versus Man City twice, by the looks of things, because there's a big WSL showdown on Friday night. And then the men play each other on Saturday evening in the Premier League. Yeah, I was going to put in into Salernitana on Friday night, but then Salernitana went and sacked Pippo Inzaghi. Oh, it would have been the brothers meeting each other in uh, uh, there, but uh, ah, an Inzaghi derby. Yeah, the Inzaghi derby. Yeah, um, but no, it wasn't to be. <laughs> wasn't to be an Inzaghi derby. So that would just be a very ordinary Friday night Serie A game of Inter absolutely humping Salernitana. But if you want to see what games we do pick to go in the box set, then get along to sofpodcast.com, click on the link for the weekend box set and subscribe and you will get what we think of the seven games to watch from Friday to Sunday in your inbox on Friday lunchtime. But that is all we have time for this week before we get shown a blue card for taking up too much time. So from me, Graham Sibley, from Jan Bilton and from Terry DeVellin, it's goodbye. 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 We are at Sound of Football on X, Blue Sky and Instagram, so feel free to get in touch there or head to our website sofpodcast.com Don't forget to rate and review us. What are IFAB doing now? Those clowns at IFAB. I think they see themselves as some kind of, you know, skunk works. They're in there creating all these wonderful new innovations when the reality is they're just spoiling it, really. Do you think they see themselves as disruptors? So they've got table tennis tennis in there. And, and baristas. Air, air hockey and baristas and, slide, and stuff yeah. like that. They all go around on, on skateboards and stuff like that. Mm, yeah, that's how they see themselves. You're, my kind of people. They've moved to a WeWork in Shoreditch. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon everyone in IFA have got massive kind of lovely coffee beards? <laughs> definitely. And wear lumberjack shirts. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a lumberjack. Sorry, I didn't see you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw his lumberjack shirt. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.